we're going to begin with the ongoing controversy over RTE and the persistent questions over the manner in which Ryan Tuberty was paid. A meeting is going to take place in the next couple of hours between the Minister with Responsibility for Media, Catherine Martin, and the Chair of the Board, Shunni Riley. RTE's political correspondent, Paul Cunningham, joins me now. Uh, Paul, good afternoon to you. We heard from the Taoiseach last night uh, in a statement talking about remedial steps and trust and confidence needing to be restored. What do we know about that? Well, I think it's a a really, really hard-hitting statement from the Taoiseach, Leo Varadkar, and it's putting it up to RTE. I mean, he says that on the face of it, there has been a serious breach of trust and truth between RTE on the one side and the government, the Oireachtas, and the people on the other. And then he goes on to lay out what he expects to happen at the meeting, where he says that the chairperson will be asked to set out, that's the RTE chairperson, will be asked to set out in detail the issues involved and the steps that the board is taking. And then he goes on to add, and you, you alluded to there, the government considers it essential that we have the highest standards in RTE and will consider what further action may be required. So that's the government making an assessment if it needs to take further action. And he doesn't say it once, he says it twice. He goes on and says all of the matters involved will have to be examined and perhaps remedial steps taken to restore trust and confidence at RTE. So we have the chair of the board meeting the media minister at three o'clock in her department and after that the Taoiseach is taking personal interest and is going to make contact with uh, Minister Martin to find out what's happening. Do we know at this stage what remedial steps or further action means? No, but clearly um, what the Taoiseach is from his statement is that if the government doesn't hear enough is being done by RT, then they're going to do the work for RT. Right. We do know also that two Oireachtas committees have called on RTE management, including the now suspended Director General D. Forbes, to come before them. When are those appearances likely to happen and do we know who will, will actually attend? Well, RTE has confirmed that it is going to have people at both meetings, but what they haven't um, disclosed is what uh, staff members. You've got basically the RTE executive, which runs the station on a day-to-day basis, and then you've got the board, which is oversight. Um, now, both of these committees want to have representatives from both. RTE is saying it'll be at the meetings, but won't say just yet who will be going. Maybe they're trying to sort it out themselves. The first meeting takes place on Wednesday. That's going to be the Media Rock, this committee, and one would imagine they'll focus on governance, the following day on Thursday, it'll be the Public Accounts Committee and obviously they'll be looking at the money side of it. But yes, two Oireachtas committees on successive days, both looking at RT in this particular crisis. All right, political correspondent Paul Cunningham, thanks for joining us and Paul will be keeping people updated uh, post that meeting at three o'clock on the RT News Now app and through uh, on bulletins on television and radio throughout the day. Well, let me introduce you to our political panel in studio here today. Martin Hayden is Minister of State at the Department of Agriculture and Fine Gael TD for Kildare South. South, Roisin Shorthall, Social Democrats TD for Dublin North West and her party spokesperson on health, finance and public expenditure and Owen O'Brien, Sinn Féin TD for Dublin Midwest and his party spokesperson on housing. And I'll come to them shortly on some of the questions they might have or they might think need to be answered at any of those committee appearances or indeed what their ideas for remedial action might be. But first I'm joined in studio also by Peter Feeney. He's a former press ombudsman and a former head of broadcast compliance in RTE. Uh, Peter, you worked in RTE before, you've dealt with some issues around compliance and you've seen previous crises in RTE, but this one, what's your reaction? Um, This one is particularly bad. Um, There have been previous crises, of course, in any body there are crises, but this one is a particularly severe one and it is 
inconceivable that there isn't significant uh, reputational damage to all of RTE as a result of this. And I feel particularly sorry for all the program makers and journalists who go about their job trying to do their best. They now find that their product is tarnished through nothing that they did in any sense at all. There, Paul was talking about it there. We've heard, and for people who don't know about the structure of RTE, there's the RTE board and the current chair and the previous chair have said that they have had no information about this. And then there's what's known as the executive board, also known as the executive. And it's not known yet who or indeed, if anyone on the executive board knew about this. So could you just explain what the differences between those two bodies are and how they interact? Yes, the RTE board is essentially the board of directors. They are all part-time. They're all external people, mostly appointed by government. And they would have an oversight role over all policy decisions and any major internal decisions. And then the executive board are staff members of RTE who are responsible for the day-to-day running of the place and uh, are responsible for all significant decisions and they are subject to the RTE board, the board of directors. And the director general chairs the executive board or the executive and sits on the RTE board. Yes, that's correct, yes. So would you expect that in decisions about sums amounting to €345,000 that some of the executive would need would have needed to have known about this or even signed off on it? It's inconceivable that a deal such as has now been discovered could have taken place without some or one or more of the RT executive board knowing about it. And I would find it hard to believe it could only be one person. Um, Somebody had to agree to it. Somebody had to put in place payment structures for it. Uh, It's inconceivable that there wasn't several people involved in that decision. I've no idea who they were. What's RTE's problem with transparency on the issue of presenter pay? Because they didn't always release this. Then they released them after a time lag. And now we find out that the full story wasn't told in the case of at least one presenter and they're conducting a review to see if they fully disclosed the pay of other presenters. But in your experience, dealing at least with some of the public utterances of RTE, what is the what was, at least in your time, the internal attitude towards providing transparency on top paid presenters? I was Freedom of Information Officer for RTE going back um, 20 years now. And on an annual basis, newspaper journalists would ask RTE how much the top presenters are being paid. And RTE used to refuse to release that information, saying that it was commercially sensitive, that they're in competition with other radio stations. And if they released the figures, the radio, other radio stations would be at an advantage. That changed after a while. And RTE agreed to release the top 10 pairs receivers each year, but a year late. So in 2012, you would release the figures for 2010, etc. That was a sort of a little cushion provided. So each year, RTE prepared a list of the top 10 and then that was released to the newspapers. I had no idea whatsoever when I was doing that. It never even occurred to me that the figures couldn't be accurate. I just took it absolutely for granted that the figures that RTE releasing were the accurate figures. And I am quite flabbergasted to discover that it's possible the figures that uh, were being released were in any sense inaccurate. Uh, it might be assumed that releasing figures about top presenters' pay might actually have a depressing effect on them. People may be in some way embarrassed about a very high level of pay and it might be to RTE's advantage to publish the figures and have more transparency in order to strengthen their own hand in negotiations. So what specifically 
was the attitude towards it. What does commercial sensitivity mean in that context? It's... I mean, as the argument put forward was that other radio stations, if they knew how much presenters in RT got, they could poach them by offering them more. I, I, I don't think that was a very strong commercial argument, and I was glad when RT decided to release figures for the top 10. Mm-hmm. Um, what has happened in this instance, it would appear anyway, is that uh, RT management didn't want to acknowledge that the pay cut being taken by the top earning presenter was... Uh, as low as they wanted. So they disguised it through this interesting barter arrangement so that it looked like he was taking a bigger pay cut than he actually was. That was a sleight of hand, which I think was beneath Ortiz's uh, dignity. They shouldn't have done that. They should have released the accurate figure and live with the consequences of it. Right. We also have the rather exotic arrangement where the running of this barter account, it cost them €80,000 to facilitate this transaction of €150,000. I mean, did you have any insight into the operation of this or any barter account when you were here and the costs associated with it? I had never heard of the term barter account until yesterday. It was an entirely new term to me. I'd never heard of it. I did know that uh, occasionally presenters would have some uh, extra broadcasting responsibilities in terms of... uh, their sponsors, so that if a programme was sponsored, you might be expected to go a couple of times a year to an event organised by the sponsors. But I had no idea that there was any extra payment for that. Uh, I had no idea whether that was contractual or anything else. It was just part of the job if there were sponsors. It is worth saying that news and current affairs cannot be sponsored. Uh, and this occurred in programmes like The Late Late Show and, and other programmes that didn't occur ever in news and current affairs, which cannot be sponsored. All right. Uh, Kevin Backhurst, the incoming Director General, uh, arrived as head of news and current affairs after the Mission to Pray scandal. For anyone who doesn't know that, it was uh, Father Kevin Reynolds was defamed in a programme uh, by Primetime Investigates at the, at the time and it caused a crisis within the organisation and uh, he arrived in shortly after that in order to clean things up. And some of the remedial action that was taken included running journalists through journalism guidelines and ensuring they had signed up to them. But what's the equivalent remedial action here? I mean, basic honesty seems to be what was missing. How do you sign people up for an honesty course? Yeah, but there's a difference. The, the, The mission to pray was a mistake made by program makers and RT responded entirely correctly by putting in place better guidelines. I was responsible for drawing up uh, new guidelines. They also put in place extra resources, extra training, etc. So I think lessons were learnt. It was a program maker's mistake. This time around, it's not a program maker's mistake. It's a senior management mistake. They, it's, a, it's a governance issue and uh, it has obviously it impacts on what program makers do but there's absolutely nothing program makers can do to make this crisis better. The only thing they can do is continue to make programmes as honestly and as fairly as possible and rebuild a reputation which is damaged to no action of their own. Right. The only way, presumably then, that it can be facilitated, that trust would be regained in RT as an organisation or even that distinction that you're making uh, could be highlighted is that the most possible information can be put out as quickly as possible by RTE and RTE programmes then cover them fairly and impartially. That's what I argued when I was Freedom of Information Officer and that's that RT should release as much information as possible and be as transparent and accountable as possible because if, if you are that then you have nothing to worry about. But there's always, any organisation has a sort of a, a knee-jerk 
desire to withhold information. They they feel that uh, if you can keep from the public, it's better to do so. I think that's not what RT should be, and I think it's uh, it will now change in the future. There may be other measures which are necessary to help to rebuild trust in terms of oversight of RT finance, etc., but they won't impact on programme makers directly. All right, without getting into individuals or speculating about who knew what when, what, in your opinion, does accountability look like as part of that trust-building exercise? Well, RT is in receipt of over 200 millions a year from licence fee. Um, that is public monies in the same way as public monies funds hospitals, funds prisons, etc. All of that income has to be 100% accounted. You have to show what you're spending on it, that you're spending on it wisely, that you're going through proper procedures for for uh, tendering, etc. All of that is, is very important if the public are to feel that their, their monies are being well spent. Uh, it now appears that in, certainly in one area that didn't happen and I think that has to be addressed urgently. All right, uh, we'll stay with us, Peter Feeney. We're going to go to our panel here. Martin mm-hmm. Hayden, we heard from uh, your party leader, mm-hmm. the Taoiseach, Leo Varadkar, saying yesterday evening, talking about remedial action and, and indeed further action. What do you understand that means? I think it means openness and transparency, to be honest, Colm, um, which, you know, there's two parts to this. I think it's quite easy when you talk about high-profile personalities that we get sucked into the personality element of this a little bit. But we're talking about the state broadcaster. We're talking about something that gets to the heart of our democracy, uh, an open and free press, uh, the public service obligation, the fact that citizens of this state contribute €200 million a year in taxes to run RTE. Um, And even RTE itself previously, in its own risk management framework, um, identified the risk of a failure to manage the RTE brand could impact on stakeholder perceptions, I'm, I'm quoting here now, and crucially affect trust levels. That was identified as a risk here for the organisation and the risk that will be. And um, so beyond the personality element of this, we've heard uh, a lot of uh, people from senior management positions uh, currently and previously issue statements in recent days saying they didn't know anything or they weren't saying anything. Um, and we are talking about the past. We are talking about um, you know decisions uh, that were made, whether it was systematic under-reporting or whatever. We have to get to the bottom of that. We, we know there's the two years linked to the commercial deal of 75,000 a year for 21 and 22, but the under-reporting we know goes back to 2017 at least, um, and there's 120,000 there that is unaccounted for. I, I just want to be clear about this because there's a meeting between Shuni Riley, the um, uh, chair of the RTE board, and Minister Catherine Martin later on. Catherine Martin wants answers, the Taoiseach wants to hear those answers. Members of the Oireachtas want to hear from people from RTE in two Oireachtas committees, and they want accurate answers this time, something they didn't have on, on previous occasions. But I suppose what I mean by further action or remedial action, if the Taoiseach or the government is not satisfied that it is getting what it wants, how will it strike a balance between taking action to restore trust and not interfering in the independence of the National Public Service broadcaster? So the point I was making in terms of the next steps and the remedial action is this is still within the gift of people in this organisation to start the process immediately to try and restore the trust. And you do that by being open, by being transparent, by putting people forward who can answer questions and not putting people forward who don't know um, because that doesn't help anybody in terms of trust. So my point here is, before you talk about um, situations where politicians are actively trying to manage an organisation like this, which is not a space anybody wants to get into at all, we need the organisation here to lead. 
to lead with openness and transparency to answer those clear questions. Peter mentioned there about get that information out there. There isn't, you know, the damage has been done here by that sense of not being open and being transparent. Um, that is ultimately at the heart of this and of not respecting taxpayers' money, which, you know, um, D right. Forbes, I heard in an interview, I'll just make this final point, from 2019, uh, where about three or four times in the interview, she talked about the need for RTE to be able to operate in light and shade because of its semi-state and commercial. They blew it in terms of the shade because with that came a huge amount of trust and responsibility. Okay. Uh, we want to hear from, we, he was out on the 6-1 News last night, the only member of the RTE executive, and admittedly somebody who hasn't been in the position he's in all of that long, Adrian Lynch, who is the interim deputy director general, he was talking about the action that RTE needs to take in the view of the executive. There is a process ongoing in relation to that. We need to be mindful, obviously, of individual rights, due process and that it should be fair. But to say to you, David, the chair was very clear that there needs to be accountability. I think what we need to do is actually rebuild trust here. I would say as an organisation, we're a public service media organisation. We hold people to account all the time and we expect answers to questions. We need to provide those answers ourselves. This has done significant reputational damage to RTE. That was Adrian Lynch, Interim Deputy Director General. I wrote in Shortall to you, your former member of the, the Public Accounts Committee. Is that what accountability looks like? Is it making good with the Rochtas committees that have been previously misled on what RTE was paying to its top stars? Or does accountability go further than that? I think the primary responsibility is to the public in relation to this and there's two elements of that. The first is accountability for the spending of a very large amount of public money, 200 million euro a year and that's the first area of responsibility. The second area of responsibility for RTE is to ensure that what we get as the public is truth in the news and that they are honest and truthful in their presentation of news of any kind. And, you know, to date... RTE, I think, has had a high level of confidence among the public. And in the main, the vast majority of people working for RTE, uh, the programme uh, producers, uh, the, the reporters, in the main, that news has been very trustworthy. And we know that the RTE news website is the website that is most often used in terms of people wanting to access news. So, you know, there has been a very good track record there, good reputation. But unfortunately, this incident has done very, very serious damage to that. And at a time when, you know, more and more broadcasting organisations are controlled by commercial interests and political interests, you know, maintaining confidence in a public sector broadcaster is absolutely critical. And it's it's a key part of a modern democracy. And there are a very large number of outstanding questions, I believe, that need to be answered by management in, in, in order. Such as, in your view. OK, so, so like, who initiated this arrangement. Um, Who signed off on it? Uh, Who are the people who are aware of this arrangement? Why was it, for example, that the audit, the annual audit, didn't pick up on this until now? I mean, that is an extraordinary situation that, you know, the accounts, major accounts audited every year and nothing was picked up in relation to this. 
what appears to be a fairly grubby secret arrangement. Um, you know, are there other high profile people in RTE who have side deals like this? Uh, and we, we are supposed to find that out uh, within days, I think. A Grant Thornton follow-up report, RTE has sure. said, is, is to look into this and release the results within and it, days. And it's really important that we get that information and those questions an- answered quickly in relation to this because because of the reputational damage that has been done and because of the importance of of maintaining and protecting uh, public sector broadcasting. But of course, the other thing to bear in mind, Colm, is that RTE as a, a semi-state organisation <coughs> excuse me, has to produce their annual report every year, which contains their financial accounts. Now, it's not a matter of producing that and it being left on the shelf. That is pre- presented to the Minister for Communications, who in turn brings it to Cabinet. It is the, the annual report is laid before the Houses of the Oireachtas and also it is overseen and scrutinised by the, by the Public Accounts Committee and the Communications Committee. So you, there are a whole lot of layers there of oversight which have been... Uh, have not had the full account of, of uh, what's been going right. on within RTE. Oh, no. And, and oh. it's, it's, you know, it's, it's really important that this is, these issues are addressed as a matter of urgency by all of those bodies. All right. Uh, Owen O'Brien, RTE has stated how underfunded it is over a long number of years, the lack of compliance with people paying the licence fee. It, it remains to be seen how this... Uh, crisis here is going to impact on that level of compliance. But nonetheless, the broadcaster has stated its case that it is underfunded to carry out the remit with which it's entrusted. Should there be some conditionality imposed now on uh, on, on RT getting any such increase or reform of how it's funded based on structural reform and transparency? I think added to Roisin's questions uh, are two, uh, and one of them directly answers your question. First of all, we also need to know why was this information withheld? Who took the decision to withhold that information, both from the board, uh, uh, from the Oireachtas and from the public? And then the second thing is, what is ORT going to do to ensure something like this can never happen again? Uh, and I think what members of the Oireachtas, both the the Public Accounts Committee uh, 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 and the uh, Line Committee for the Minister will want to hear is both an explanation for how we got here uh, and I think equally importantly is a roadmap that RT will set out to credibly demonstrate uh, they're they're going to fix this in terms of governance structures, in terms of uh, uh, reporting uh, and in terms of internal procedures. And I think if that is done correctly uh, and it is done speedily, uh, I think first of all it will go some way to start restoring the trust not only with Oireachtas members who were misled, uh, but crucially with RT staff. Uh, I've been talking to RT staff from the day the news broke and there is enormous anger. Uh, there is an enormous sense of people being let down, uh, uh, programme producers having to fight over whether or not they're able to have water for guests uh, and shows and adequate budgets for research and uh, 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 adequate terms and conditions for staff. Uh, and now hearing that uh, this enormous sums of money was being uh, uh, dealt with in this way. So I think there's a real opportunity here uh, for RTE to come out quickly, uh, comprehensively. I think the Oireachtas committees are a very good opportunity to do that uh, and to explain how it is going to fix the mess uh, that those individuals, whoever they are, uh, created. Uh, And, you know, I would hope because I'm a strong advocate of public service broadcasting, I think it's very important. There are people who are critics of public service broadcasting. There are people who would like to see uh, uh, different financing arrangements. I would hate this in any way uh, to jeopardise the future of public service broadcasting 
but the the resolution of that is in the hands of senior management in RT and those people know it. The very fact, for example, that we have to wait for a Grant Thornton report, uh, although I think it's very important, if there are any other similar arrangements uh, currently uh, in place, there are people in RT who know. Uh, uh, we should know this immediately. And well, therefore, I the advantage of, of Grant Thornton to some degree is people may not be in a position where they, they'd be willing to trust Absolutely, and, and, and my, my argument, just so I'm very clear, is not to say that there shouldn't be the Grant Thornton report. There should, and in fact, uh, uh, I thought M. O'Kelly yesterday made a very compelling case following the meeting of, of NUJ and, and SIP2 members in RTE that there should be a wider internal process as well. But my point is, if there is anybody in RTE today who has more information around this or related matters, that needs to be brought into the public domain. It is important that the minister uh, responsible has that meeting and the Taoiseach is involved. But crucially, this is about the public. This is about the taxpayers who fund this organisation. And RTE management have an awful lot of work to do, including sending the right people uh, uh, to the Oireachtas committees in the next week or two uh, uh, to deal with all these matters in a very open, public and transparent manner. All right. And the points, Emma O'Kelly, uh, from the NUJ Dublin Broadcasting Branch, where that there should be a deeper look into all the pay and benefits for higher earners within RT, not just people who are on air. Martin Hayden, the Labour Party TD, Alan Kelly, was on the 6-1 News uh, yesterday evening and in a live interview he said he doesn't expect RT as it's currently constituted with still exist in six months or a year's time. Do you see that kind of a major shake-up or do you know what might have prompted that remark from him? I don't know. I think like, if you look in general terms, we've had a number of significant institutions in the state in not too distant past have gone through an absolute crisis. Um, whether it's the Catholic Church, whether it's the Football Association of Ireland, the Irish Farmers Association, they've all had their pivotal moments. Don't forget moments. the banks. Yeah, the banks. There's lots, sorry. You start naming some, the Olympic Federation and others, and it, you head into a space there. And at the heart of all of the problems uh, has been, all right, the initial uh, misdeeds. But what made everything worse was the lack of coming out and being open and transparent about things afterwards. So my point still stands. The future of RTE is still in the hands of people in RTE in terms of how they react now. Yes, mistakes have been made. People are really angry about it and we need to move to a point where we learn how that was let happen um, and how a a situation arose that, like, this wasn't somebody coming forward and saying, mea culpa, we've made a mistake here. This was discovered under an audit and as Roshan has pointed out, an audit years later where many audits had missed this. So, like, was this systematically covered up? But it's how the organisation now and the people who have charged with running it have the responsibility to make sure that... The damage that is inflicted on RTE is still in their hands. All right, Peter we, we can Feeney. do a lot of this by being open and transparent and fully embracing any upcoming investigations into it. Peter Feeney, you mentioned there earlier, News and Current Affairs as a division uh, doesn't have commercial sponsorship for its programmes, but there are other programmes that have a uh, current affairs remit uh, outside of the News and Current Affairs division that have sometimes had com- commercial sponsorship, just, just, just to be clear about that. But your view on what you've heard from the political panel here today on striking that balance between what needs to come in terms of political action from the outside being based on what RTE does from the inside to safeguard its independence based on establishing transparency and renewing trust. As a person committed to public service broadcasting, as a person who worked in RTE for 37 years, I take great comfort from what the three members of the Octus have said here because I think all of them are saying more or less the same thing and that is RTE needs to reform itself to avoid making the same mistakes again and then return to making programmes and news reports which are of value and which serve the general public. So I think uh, 
the time for recriminations, it'll go on for a while longer until there's greater clarity about what happened. But once that is all now out in the open and clear, then the process of rebuilding confidence has to start. But I, I do think that question of RT reforming itself has to happen in the light of day. Mm-hmm. You know, it can't be something that's done behind the scenes. And if trust is to be restored, then it's absolutely critical that there is full accountability. And full accountability means consequences for those that's responsible. Right. And that's the key thing, that, that accountability is truly established at the end of all of this. 